Welcome to BrainStuff from How Stuff Works. Hey, BrainStuff, I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And if you were to ask Wendy Paya, a goat farmer in Brennan, Maine, to name what she likes most about her work, she'll tell you it's the individual personalities of the goats for which she cares. She said, think of the word capricious. That comes from the word caprine, which is Latin for goat. They're like that. They'll jump and dance and they'll climb on anything. They're affectionate. Paya's particular type of goats, 40 to 80 of them depending on the year, are also some of the providers of a valuable product for humans, cashmere. Yes, in case you didn't know, your favorite, softest, and probably most expensive sweater comes from the fur of the cashmere goat. And once you know what's involved in making a cashmere sweater, the price might not seem so exorbitant. Goats are one of at least 11 wool-producing animals. The list also includes sheep, rabbits, and llama. There are several varieties of cashmere goats and a number of farms, factories, and conglomerates around the world using various production methods to make cashmere. The first goats purported to be used by humans to produce fabric to keep warm are said to be the Pashima goats. They're found in the super high-altitude regions of western and northern Tibet. The goat's soft and dense underfur is built to withstand extreme temperatures, as low as negative 40 degrees Fahrenheit or Celsius. The wool from these bucks and nannies, favored by British royalty, eventually came to be processed in cashmere in northern India, hence the name. Various bloodlines of cashmere goats have, with human help, spread around the world. Australia has a particular breed that provides luxuriously soft threads, and North American cashmere goats are found in the colder regions of the U.S. and Canada. North America is where Paya and her husband, Peter Goff, come in. They have run Springtide Farm since 1997. Paya bought Goth 11 goats for his birthday, in part to help clear their farmland. It has been a learning experience since then. Paya estimates that Springtide is one of 200 to 300 cashmere goat farms in North America. Most cashmere goat farms in the U.S. are small in size, less than 60 goats, says Paya, who is also the president of the Cashmere Goat Association, a nonprofit whose website claims it brings together breeders, fiber artists, and others interested in these charming animals and the fiber they grow. In March and April, you know, early spring, is when the goats start to naturally shed their winter wool and when production begins on the farms. Few U.S. farms shear these cashmere goats, though, because of production loss and the high cost to weed out the valuable downy undercoat. Instead, most facilities hand comb the wool. That means workers, often the farm owners themselves, sit with each animal and slowly tease out the fur that creates the fine wool for cashmere with a dog rake, up to an hour and a half per goat. Paya explained, when you look at these goats, you see the long draping fur. That's the guard hair. The cashmere hair is under that. The crimp in cashmere is three-dimensional, and that's part of what makes cashmere so incredibly soft. An average goat provides just three to four ounces of cashmere. That's about 85 to 110 grams. That means it typically takes about six goats to make enough fiber for just one cashmere sweater. Once the cashmere fur is separated, samples of it are sent for quality testing to one of two labs in the U.S., one in Texas, one in Colorado. Most legitimate U.S. cashmere farmers have made a commitment to provide only high-quality fiber, outlined in the Cashmere Goat Association standards and backed by organizations like the Cashmere and Camel Hair Manufacturers Institute. That means consistency or uniformity in the fiber— each follicle should be at least 1.25 inches, that's 3.2 centimeters in length, in its relaxed or unstretched state, and no bigger than 19 microns in diameter. 
If wearing wool makes you itch, that's actually because the wool fibers have an uneven thickness. The standard thickness of wool is 28 microns. Cashmere is much finer. That standard of less than 19 microns is why cashmere can feel less scratchy. Cashmere that fails to meet these standards inevitably creates quality problems like pilling in the final product. And there are plenty of examples of bad cashmere out there. While the Federal Trade Commission enforces the Wool Product Labeling Act in the United States, it gets murky on the international market. Even the FTC says, quote, routine testing of fiber contents by a qualified independent testing lab is the best way to assure accurate labels. And that means it's hard for consumers to determine where the cashmere they're buying comes from, and specifically how the goats are treated. Cashmere demand is one of the problems. It reportedly far exceeds how much goats could produce every year. That means that less scrupulous producers may turn to inhumane methods to produce more wool for lesser operating costs. The organization PETA has accused Chinese conglomerates of shearing the goats midwinter when the animals need the fur to keep warm. Paya says that some farms, to save production costs, have even experimented with restricting goats' diets. But aside from compromising the animal's health, it also directly affects the quality of the cashmere. She said, if you starve your animals, the hair will get finer and shorter and more brittle. You can't spin it. They call it hunger fine. So if you wear cashmere, Paya recommends buying directly from the source or choosing very carefully. Cashmere will consist of about 1% of a goat's total wool production for apparel, so the fabric and those sweaters should have a price to reflect the scarcity. But even for farmers like Paya, who sells her cashmere online and at fairs and festivals, it's difficult to tell if it's the real deal. Paya herself has been fooled. She recalls a time when she found a cashmere sweater at a store for less than $100. She bought it. It turned out to be acrylic. Another time, she and her husband were visited by a group of people who said they were interested in getting into the cashmere industry. They brought with them samples of cashmere they had bought at trade shows in Italy. Paya recalls, they had this one shawl. It was shiny, and cashmere isn't shiny. So we had to say to them, you know, this is really nice. I don't know what it is, but it's not cashmere. Today's episode was written by Jamie Allen and produced by Tyler Klang for iHeartMedia and How Stuff Works. To learn more about Cashmere with a K, check out our compatriot podcast, Dressed, The History of Fashion. They've got an episode all about it called Cashmere with a K, The Controversial History of a Shawl. And of course, for more on this and lots of other fine topics, visit our home planet, howstuffworks.com. Howstuffworks.com. 